Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to throw versus Danny. Back to all right, welcome to Off the Bench, Danny Kellen and Raja Bell, our boy David Sampson filling in for Raja. It's always a fun show when you have hey, you on. Hey. I appreciate you waking up early. We've got a huge show to get to. Le'Veon Bell, there's some drama going on in Pittsburgh. We're gonna get some baseball with you as well. But there's a new lead to the show because as Hannah was reading the update there, filling us in on some of the news, I caught something that kind of caught my eye and I'm curious to hear your take on it. Can I interrupt you? I need yes. a 10 minute heat break. <laughs> well, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm worried about. I'm sweating a little bit. So, I need a minute. I can you like what is going on here? I know it's hot and I know there's some humidity, but can we just have their athletes? Aren't they supposed to be in like the best shape of the world? Like this is the best of the best. It's the first time it's ever happened. They implemented it for yesterday. They had five people retire. I was watching the Djokovic match and after the third set, they did take a 10 minute heat break. They changed clothes. They oh showered and then he spent what 20 minutes dispatching. What are we coming to? If guys, like if they're retiring from tennis because they have to, it's too hot. It's a little bit too hot for them. You can get an ice towel. They you break every hot. three yes, games. Exactly. Come on. Exactly. We're the worst we're rule ever. Seeing it across sports, if we set a precedent, ten minute football break. How about that? If you no. get, if you get hit really hard, right, right? like in your legs, <laughs> yeah. I need a ten minute. I'm hurt. Break. Sadly, we're probably not that far off from that. We'll probably see that eventually in the sport somehow, any day. Uh, all right. So good luck to the U.S. Open players. Don't don't uh, get cramps or anything. Make sure you hydrate up there uh, at uh, in New York. All right, Le'Veon Bell. So there's been a lot of talk about his holdout. You know, last year he took it far, missed camp. This year, I thought it was put to bed. Right? Because there wasn't an agreement. Le'Veon Bell tweets out, this is a couple months ago, said, you know what? Couldn't get done, but I'm going to make the best of this year. I'm going to give all I have to the Steelers. And then kind of, that's it. He's going to move on, sign somewhere else when he's a free agent. But as we get closer to the season, there was a post, uh, a Pittsburgh Post-Gazette report that reported Bell has told some of his teammates that he will report to his team on Monday. That's what I assumed. Le'Veon Bell says, hold on a second. He said it's, Fake news. Don't That's my favorite. It. The fake news. I never said anything to no one. This word, this phrase, as you just mentioned, is such a part of the lexicon now. It's like transform. It started in politics. Now it's in the sports and every other aspect of life. used to just life. be a rumor, right? It was yes. a rumor that comes out. Now it's fake news. What I love, forget the grammar part of that statement. I never said anything to no one. What I want to talk about is, of course, he's not going to show up on Labor Day. That's a holiday. Exactly. That's why it's it fake is. news. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe they just have a, like, a light lift session and they're going to watch a That's little film. It. He's like, why would I be there anyway for that one? What's the incentive for him to come back right now before the start of well, the season? He does have to start getting in shape. So the last preseason game is this weekend. So then they have the regular season starts and he does need that week of practice. And last That's year it I hurt him. Yes, absolutely it did. Now, I think it hurt him in some respects. Still had a productive year. He started slow, which is going to probably be that the same situation. This, exactly, because he needs to get warmed up, needs to get up to that speed. That should bother his teammates, Danny. I, You think so? Well, I, think I know when we have, if you have holdouts who miss spring training and then they come back and all of a sudden they're not good in April in a slump that that you can lose the pennant in April you can't win it in April but you can lose it in April. Yeah, in the NFL too with only 16 games if you lose a couple of those you you can cost it can cost you a chance at the playoffs too especially when home field matters you know where you're going to be playing in the postseason. I'm curious to see if this is something potentially bigger because I know Le'Veon said the right thing when the deadline passed and he couldn't sign the bigger deal. 
But I'm wondering if he's looking around since then and seen a lot of these guys get deals done. He saw Todd Gurley get paid by the Rams, and now there's been a precedent set as far as money, and he's probably looking at it saying, you know what? Maybe I should hold out. Maybe What's I should he do to make go. this year. What's that? What's he do to make fourteen point five? All right, so you million, but million. Yes, yes. How old is he? He's twenty six. Get on the field and play. Your career could end any day, right? Right. You're only going to play it into your early thirties if you're lucky in the NFL. All right, but you sound like his agent because you're making the case that he shouldn't play because his argument is the guaranteed money longer term because he's saying, look, fourteen and a half million is not as much as I should be due when Todd Gurley's getting a deal. I need a 10 minute break, Danny. Guaranteed. I'm out. Gurley, I think got 45 million guaranteed. You just called me an agent. I need a 10 minute break. <laughs> given the argument for the no, other side. The argument is do your job, whether it's a one year deal or a four year deal. You have a contract. You're fourteen and a half million dollars. Get out there and play. Don't hold out. Just do it. It drives me. It drives me insane. As a player, I have to take the player's side here. As a former player, because you only have so many opportunities when you actually have real leverage, and the only leverage you have in the NFL is not providing your services. You're saying, "All right, if you guys don't want to pay me, you can move on and try to do it without me, or I'll sit out the year." And Le'Veon, that's where he has to be now. Fourteen and a half million dollars is a lot to pass up on, but if he truly wants to make a stand and say, "I want the longer term money." then he's going to have to do that. He's going to have to withhold his services. I played on the Atlanta Falcons. And see, here's the difference, I think, with with some, with the, the difference in views. NFL players, none of them will be mad at Le'Veon Bell. Like, the NFL players, they have their guys back. Even his own teammates. Like, they understand it's part of the business. They understand the contracts aren't fully guaranteed. So you have to get your biggest guarantee when you have to. When I was on the Atlanta Falcons, Jamal Anderson was coming off a record-setting year when they went to the Super Bowl. Um... They lost to the Denver Broncos, but he had like a record amount of carries, put the team on his back, and he was, you know, under his still a rookie deal, and so he wanted to get paid. So he held out all of training camp. And every player was like, he's got to get his, he's got to, he's got to, he's, this is his opportunity. Comes back, actually gets paid. Second game of the season, you know what happened? Out Where's for ACL? the year. <clears throat> Where's ACL? And was out. And I'll never forget. Exactly why there should be guaranteed <laughs> right? money. No, but see, but that's, but that's why you need guaranteed money. See, I'm taking the player side. Of course you're taking the player side because you're a player, but that's not based in rationality or economics or finance. <laughs> By the way, let's talk gambling. What's the over under for the Steelers with him or without him? Uh, it's probably a game or two different. Come on. So, no, absolutely. Two games? He is, he is, he is, they're ten and a half right now, and that's the, the Vegas number that's set right now. I don't know if that's assuming if he's there or not. You think they'll go to twelve and a half if he saw, if I think he they comes could. Back. He is that impactful. He's can not we, as impactful. Can I take a, a dollar bet with you <laughs> that when he comes back, their over-under is not twelve and a half? Come no, on. No, I, I agree with that. It won't change that much. Okay. I'm saying from my, Estimation, which is not a Vegas estimation. It's very much a rough draft. Fake news. He is, he is, but if you looked at his numbers as far as what percentage of the offense he, he accounted for, it's significant. It's not like just anybody catches the ball out of the backfield. Big Ben relies on him to come out. Now they also have Antonio Brown on the outside who also accounts for a large part, but it all goes together in football. Like if you have Le'Veon back there, your safeties have to respect the run game. I have to come clean with you. The reason I don't want him to come back is I have Antonio Brown on my fantasy team. All right, he's going to so get a boatload of numbers. As far as I'm concerned, that's what I need because, right. again, it's just it's all about me. I just think it's interesting that the drama could be still playing out as we're watching this unfold, and it's going to get even more interesting as they get closer to week one. All right, let's stay in the AFC North because – have you have you watched Hard Knocks at all? No, because – I know you're binge-watching a bunch of shows. you got to get on Hard Knocks because it is pretty fascinating. I lived Hard Knocks. I was on the franchise. But see, I, and here's what I'll say. 
I actually, as a former player, I think it's the closest thing to real life. Like you do feel like you're a part of it. So you can appreciate some things and like, oh yeah, I remember exactly what that was like. So you, I think you would appreciate that too. Um, but the Browns, it's, I thought hard knocks cost, cost Jeff Fisher his job when he was with the Rams because they had it and it was not, it didn't put it, paint him in the best light. And I think Hugh Jackson is going to be in the same boat because there have been some big personalities on that staff and they're not sitting quietly in the wings. Like they're, they're chomping at the bit to get his job and they're making their opinions known. And so their defensive coordinator, Greg Williams was talking to the Cleveland plan dealer about Denzel Ward's injury and his tackling techniques. And he ripped him. He, he called him out and said, I was glad to hear it wasn't serious, the injury. And maybe he'll finally listen to me and stop doing those stupid things the way he's trying to tackle and tackle the way I tell him to tackle and he won't get hurt. You know who didn't like that quote? That quote? I'm trying to think. Hold on. Who may not have liked <laughs> Well, I was hoping it would have been Denzel Ward to come out, but it wasn't him. It was the head coach, Hugh Jackson, said, Greg does not get to do just what he wants to do. We will work through all that. We do not need to do all that stuff in the media. So he's basically telling him. Do you know why Hugh Jackson may get fired? It has nothing to do with hard knocks. <laughs> I'm going to say this. <laughs> Zero and 16 and one and 31. Right? As a team president, Ozzie Gian, we did the franchise. He goes out and says he loves Fidel Castro and we have it on the air. And when we suspended him in one take, not two takes, we didn't fire Ozzie Gian because of the TV show. Right. We fired him because. He stunk, we stunk, it stunk. Hugh Jackson won't lose his job because of that, but he should lose his job. Do you get to go one in 31 and keep your job? There was, no, it's, it was shocking to me. There was a period of about two weeks after the NFL season when it looked like the Browns were going to move on. And I, my jaw hit the floor when he kept his job. Cause I'm like, well, what, what, why, how do you get to do that? It is a production business. It's a bottom line business and the record speaks for itself which was very confusing to me. And there was some conversation like, well, what else is out there? There has to be something better than one in 31. And in the NFL, there, no, seriously. <laughs> you, has, exactly. Me. No, for real. And I'm not like the NFL, there's parody. If you look at the wind totals, I was just looking, I'm doing something for CBS Sports HQ. They're not that far. There's a lot of eight win total season. You know, the lowest you usually have is four or five wins. You almost have to try to not win a game. Like you, it's, it's, it's such as hard to go 0 and 16 as it is to go 16 and 0. Right. It really is. You have to be, and to me, it's a sign that you completely lost your team, that they completely quit on you and that they don't care at all. And that's what coaching is supposed to be. Like you should fight every single week for Where your are the job. Browns in the over under? Uh, five and a half. Cause I actually took them on an over. Cause I like How them. How could you? Because I think Hugh Jackson gets fired after week six. Do we have a dollar on that? You got to go under. Let's do it. hundred <laughs> percent. All right. All right. We'll, go from zero to six. Yep. I could be impressive. I think it would be impressive, but I think this team is talented. That's why like they finally have a quarterback or two. If you look at it with Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield signing Jarvis Landry, they've got weapons. If Norman is, is mentally healthy and okay to play, they've got a legit top 10 receiver. Their defense is starting to come together. Like they have the talent on the squad. And here's the thing I think with John Dorsey, their general manager, I think he knows this, and I think he's just going to let kind of Hugh Jackson show himself the door. Because if they start off slow again, which I think they will, I think he's going to have a quick hook. And you look he's at got the schedule and their division. I just I don't see six games, so I'm gonna I'm gonna actually spend my dollar right now. All right, I'm gonna right. pre-spend Let's it. Let's do it. All right, all right. The bet is on. Mark it's the tape. On. Coming back, I'm going over with the win total for the Browns. Uh, we talked about Le'Veon Bell and the holdout, you know, potentially there. Is he coming back or not? Aaron Donald gets his deal, but Khalil Mack and the Raiders have one of the most contentious 
negotiations. I don't even know if you can call it that. It's not that. It's silence. Back and forth. Exactly. I was shocked that John Gruden, when he took this job, he gets his $100 million deal, that he revealed that he hasn't even talked to Khalil Mack. Like, how can you not even talk to one of your cornerstone players on the defense, one of the best players in the NFL on defense, and you don't even call him to say, when you're to- oh, all when contracts you're- aside, like, just say, hey, I can't wait to work with you. Danny, when you're, you're told by ownership, you will not be talking to this guy. You think that's what it comes That's how from? it goes. When you're dealing with something as significant as this and this negotiation, there is complete coordination, at least there should be in the organization, from the top down to the manager or coach about who we're going to talk to, who we're going to visit, what the talking points are. It's completely a coordinated effort. But don't you think you could give him the freedom to say you can talk to, you can welcome it? Like, I mean, there's got to be some conversation and just say, don't bring up the, don't bring up the dollar amounts, don't get into finances at all. But you've got to let him know he's wanted, don't you? No, because that's the whole point. We don't want to let him know he's wanted. We want to let him know that, hey, we're going to live without you. We are fine without you. You're going to play this game. But they're game. not. They're not. See, the wind told for the Raiders. I'm doing this team, too, because they're at eight. And I'm looking at it saying, if they don't have Khalil Mack, they're done. So you think it'd be four without him? <laughs> no, I think it'd be six. Another, <laughs> Another two-game two player. Total. He is a former defensive player. Like he's I can't even believe he's a, it. He's a sack artist. But... I think now it's so toxic. There are a lot of rumors. There's some, it's funny how in today's, you know, social media where everything's out there. So there was a crazy rumor picked up by an Uber driver. It used to be taxi drivers would give you the you best scoop. There was an Uber driver that supposedly picked up Khalil Mack in Detroit and said he's going to have a trade with the Detroit Lions. I honestly think the Raiders at this point, if they're not even talking to him and it looks like he's prepared to sit out, that they do move on from him, which, you're not a fan of paying Aaron Donald all that money. So not at you're all. You're a fan of getting some future assets, and you could probably get a boatload of I love picks. filling in on this podcast. I just don't, <laughs> I don't love what commenting saying. on Uber drivers and their rumors. Like, <laughs> to don't. me, that may be a new low for the show. I don't either, but I'm it's just – It's an no, Uber driver. <laughs> it is. Trust me. It is the. It is fake news. It's yeah. what that is. It's, it's fake not news. Even Uber fake. Driver. It's not even news. Exactly. But in any case, it does look <laughs> like – he might not be on the Raiders, which would be a blockbuster trade if somebody can get him. And if I'm a team out there like the Lions, not because of the Uber driver, but anybody, I'm calling them and saying, look, what will, what will it take? Because they don't have very much leverage now either because it's, it's pretty clear how bad this this uh, negotiation is going. You're calling so many NFL players to win players. Do you know that in baseball, <laughs> that'd be calling a player war and a all these 20 win. That'd be a 20-win player in baseball. True. The only posi- – well, these are these are players – that are worthy of that discussion. I don't. I don't say that lightly. It, it just feels like you, you do. <laughs> All right, but these are some of the best players in the league. Uh, one of the most prominent owners in the NFL is Jerry Jones, and there's been a lot of talk about how bad. Thankfully, we've had this conversation because the preseason is awful. I think it's as bad as it's ever been as far as a product, especially this to year. Watch now, if you're a hardcore NFL fan. You might say, well, I like watching practice because that's all it is. It's a glorified exhibition. It's a glorified scrimmage where you're seeing a lot of guys that need to make rosters. You know, they figure out positions. But a lot of teams are saying, you know what? I'm not playing my quarterback. I'm not going to play my wide receiver, Antonio Brown, or whoever it is. So for a long time, for about five or six years at least, there's been a discussion. Does the NFL shorten the preseason? Which I think every NFL player would vote yes, strongly. But – the owners are saying, well, hold on a second. That's money out of our pockets if we have, you know, a potential home game in the preseason. What are you going to give us back? So Jerry Jones said, you know what? We could do that, but let's get 18 games in the regular season as opposed to 16. Every NFL player I've ever heard comment publicly on this has said, no way. There's no way we're going to 18. How would you feel about 18 when you were playing? 
I would have said, how much money are you showing us? I like where your head's at. <laughs> All right. So what you're saying is it's about quarterback money. And a backup quarterback, I'll hold that clipboard like a champ for another two games, right? <laughs> like, that's easy. But I think Jerry Jones, he, his his angle on it, when <laughs> this is maybe one of the dumbest quotes I've ever heard. And Jerry Jones will give you some quotes. He's that pretty are, good at that. I like so it. So he said, I can make the case that we have an uptick in concussions in the preseason. If you look at it, I would contend there would be less exposure. It would provide more than a billion. This is the one that perks my ears. It would provide more than a billion dollars to the players. It's certainly worth considering. It would direct more value for what the players expend to the players. That's the he shouldn't be like player safety. Don't even go there. Don't even discuss that, especially in this context, because it's going to prevent. It's gonna. It's gonna be riskier. Regular season is not less safe than the preseason. (laughs) I'm really like perplexed at his comment on that one. I'm not. It's just money, right? For yes. him, Jerry Jones is very simple, and I get it. Right. He bought the team, and I actually love him because he admits he's the general manager. Right. He admits he does everything, yes. as opposed to every other owner who just does it and hides behind their front office executives. The thing about this plan, we had some baseball owners in the last collective bargaining agreement who said, you know what? We're paying these guys so much money. Let's go 180 games <laughs> instead of 162. Let's make them work. And we'll get paid more, more national TV money. That's all Jerry Jones is saying. He wants a bigger national TV deal. It's split 30 ways. He's already grumpy about that because he feels the Cowboys really drive that deal more than any other team. And he's probably right. He's probably right over the years. So he wants more of the pie. So instead of that, he says, let's just make the pie bigger. So it comes up with this 18 regular season game philosophy. The problem I have with it is – it's just too much, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you expand the football season that long, I think you will have some, you will not have the concomitant increase in the corporate revenue, in the season ticket revenue, in the TV revenue that he thinks, because he's assuming you go up two games, right? Right. That's basically an eighth of a season extra. I don't think you get an eighth more in TV revenue. You lost me a couple big words there that I kind of went right over my head. Oh, come I on. I will say this. The players who have always said no way, if you throw out a billion dollars and you say you can get that split, all of a sudden they'd be listening. And as much as player safety, I would say, why don't you add, so they have a 53-man roster, why not add 10 players to that or whatever it is so that you can shuttle in players and protect them more, give them less snaps over the entirety of the whole season, then maybe they'd start listening. And more importantly, for the guys that are out there, if you could bump up all of them and give them an increase and split that billion dollars over 32 teams and all those players, they'd all be like, sign us up. We'll go ahead. We're having a collective bargaining agreement conversation. I I love it. But I have very little. Bigger rosters are very expensive to owners. They don't (laughs) like it. But if you got a billion dollars to throw around there, maybe you'd listen. Just because Jerry Jones says there's a billion doesn't mean there's a billion. (laughs) So you're saying it's fake news? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to come back with some baseball talk because while we got you here, we got to hit you up. These races are getting fantastic. We're going to do that more next on Off the Bench. Only with NFL Game Pass do you get every out-of-market preseason game live. Kirk Cousins and Case Keenum battled it out in Week 1. The Super Bowl rematch was incredible between the Eagles and Pats in Week 2. And Sam Darnold got the start for the Jets in Week 3. It all happens this preseason live with NFL Game Pass. I can't wait to watch Week 4. It's when players fight for roster spots and things get heated at position battles. 
With the NFL Game Pass, I can watch all of them live even if I'm out of market. If I miss the game, I can replay it after it's aired. Whatever game you want to watch this preseason, you'll need NFL Game Pass to do so if you're out of market. Gruden's return to Oakland, we saw in week one. Josh Allen, we saw him play in week two against Baker Mayfield. And Patrick Mahomes was showcased in week three. Make sure to watch all the action this preseason with NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2018 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Sign up now at NFL.com slash off the bench. Game on. All right, let's do some baseball talk because we had a nice little contract signed by Cardinals manager Mike Schilt. They've been on fire 27 and 12. They were 47 and 46 under Mike Matheny before they fired him. My only thing is, and we talked about this Monday, I almost felt like this team like just played free and it wasn't necessarily, necessarily anything Schilt was doing. It was just, we got kind of Matheny out of here and now everybody's just playing freer and there's better chemistry. It's just not a toxic situation. Can I bring you anymore. inside the clubhouse? Bring me, bring the me in. Office of the Cardinals. So they're playing well. They've got the interim tag. Mm-hmm. Schilt comes in and he says to one of his players, one of the captains, one of the veterans, hey, you know, I really would love a three-year deal. I'm an organizational guy. You know, why are my interim? Look at how great we're doing. The player goes to someone in the front office and says, man, we love him. We got to keep him. This is amazing. The front office says, oh, my God, what do we do? Well, here's what you do. You don't extend him right, right. now. Why, why I don't now? care what the player says. I don't really care what Schilt wants. You're interim for a reason. Mm-hmm. You're playing well right now. It's been 36 games. I want to see a manager manage. Listen, I fired a lot of managers, so I'm pretty good <laughs> at knowing. an expert at that. An expert. I want to see Schilt manage when the Cardinals have lost 8 out of 10, when they've lost 14 of 17, when they're in the dog days of August not in a playoff race. There's no reason to give him a three-year deal right now. I get you want to reward your corporate soldiers. He's worked his way through the system, but there's just no reason for it. It was a shocking display of distraction for a team that's now leading the wild card, but they're going to say, this is uniting us. This is going to get us all the way through October. It's absolute horse hockey. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't I don't understand it either. I'm either looking at it saying, well, why couldn't this wait until the offseason? If that player comes in, you say, yeah, we love him too, but we're going to go ahead and play out the season. We are focused. <laughs> Here's the line that we would give our guys. Let's focus on winning today. Yes, exactly. Period. Because it's not even it's not even that big of a, if you want to say, a distraction or uncertainty. It's just go out there it's and nothing. finish the season. Yeah, it's not a big deal either. So, it, well, unless they absolutely love, and I'm talking about the front office and the ownership, if they love Schilt and they feel like they've been waiting in the wings and they've had their eye on him for a while, maybe that's the case, but it still doesn't make any sense why I couldn't wait just a couple months. They, he wasn't in the wings. Matheny just couldn't win a game and he had lost the clubhouse. Yeah. So they went. Schilt <laughs> is the perfect interim guy. There's not a great history of making these organizational guys interim, making them permanent. I don't think he can last three years there, even though the Cardinals don't like fiery managers, but now I think they're getting in the habit. We are a society that's a product of recency bias, right? We'd like, it's just a natural tendency for us to see what we saw, you know, recent. We will fall in love with that. The, uh, the Cy Young race got interesting. Uh, Aaron Nola and Max Scherzer faced off. Nola got the best of them, right? He was a better performance. Does that skew you one way or another? No, I'm looking at the total body of work, but they're just fighting for second place. 
the other game that you watched was DeGrom yeah. pitching against Hamels. He was awesome. And DeGrom was just unreal. You can't hit the guy. Of course, the Mets can't score for him. Well, that's what I was going to say. Isn't it harder to win that award on a bad team, or do you think he has a legit chance? I, I think it is harder to win on a bad team, which shows how amazing he is that if you look at his statistics, he's going to get it. I mean, look Even at that. Even if he's around 500, like that's not going to be – because I get it. Like baseball, especially baseball, stat-driven sport, they're going to say, well, he's only 500. I'm not worried about wins and losses anymore, and I, I think – the, the voters I might have, have really to, changed. I might have to bet on you on this one. We're gonna have going to do another side. dollar. Yeah. I'm going to say he doesn't win the award. Are you taking the field? Sidetracked. Absolutely. If you give me well, the that's field, no I'll take for two to one, you <laughs> then, can have the field. Then that would but be. But Degrom it. was lights out last night. What a great! I'm so glad the last button on my remote got worn out last night. There were so many good games to watch with the Athletics and the Astros. You had Degrom against Hamels. You had. Um, they were all fascinating. Nola Scherzer. Yeah, I love that. Was, was fun. Into those up all night watching those. R.A. Dickey won the Cy Young on the Mets last time, and they were on a trash team. So it's been done before. Maybe help playing in that market helps. I'll still take the. Field was that right given now. in your ear? Uh, no, I'm, I'm like you a just came up with R.A. Dickey. I'm an encyclopedia. No, the knuckleballer. I read his book and all that. I'm in on that one. Thank God I'm only gotta, here for the first get, half hour. You got to get Coca to get in your ear with some special <laughs> stats. I love it. Uh, so what about the wild card? So we've gotten some really fascinating races. I feel like we've been talking about some of the hot teams but have we forgotten about the Cubs there's nothing to forget about they're right. in first place they are crushing they got Hamels they got Murphy at the deadline Theo Epstein's done a great job of adding pieces to that team they've got Hayward performing right now they had some bad off-season signings but they've made up for them with great in-season acquisitions you're not going to forget about them because they're going to the NLCS the question is will they win and get back to the World Series I love the Cubs. They're just good from 1 to 25, and that matters in the playoffs. Uh, we heard Hannah when she read our uh, News in 90 that Chaminaya is going to have an ear injury that's going to cause him to be out indefinitely. How big of an impact could this have to the A's? I mean, I know you like the Huge. Astros better, but in the wild card. This is major. You is. have Manea. You've got Brett Anderson, who just got hurt as well. I mean, they're starting Edwin Jackson, who keeps pitching well, which is just smoke mirrors in my guess. That was your guy, remember? We were sitting there talking about his 13 or 14 even. teams he's been around. The only thing I could think of, he may have some jelly on underneath his pants <laughs> right. and they have some pine tar in his hat. Oh, Gaylord little, Perry little, stuff. Gaylord Perry, the guy from Major League. <laughs> I'm throwing everything at him, coach. Yep. I don't know how he's doing it, but I think this hurts over the last 30 days and notwithstanding last night when the Astros just lost. That's yeah. it. I think the Astros do end up surviving this uh, AL West. Good stuff. All right, we got to get some college football talk when you get Barton Simmons in here. Thanks for coming in here early. I know you, you only sleep, what, two or three hours a night? It's not great. That's insane. That I'm preparing. Oh, no. For all the fake news. Watching, you're binge-watching <laughs> shows on Netflix. Peaky Blinders, that's coming up next for you. we got to have to do a rundown on that. All right, uh, thanks for joining us. We'll get Barton fun. Simmons in here next. He's going to give us his playoff picks. Uh, stay tuned on Off the Bench. All right, welcome back to Off the Bench. We got our buddy Barton Simmons going to hop on, talk a little college football with us. It is finally here. I know we had week zero, Barton, but week one is what it's all about. We have some fantastic matchups. And I had a great time talking with you and Chip yesterday on your guys' podcast. You guys kill it. You guys have one of the best in the game. Uh Thanks for waking up early for us, man. Yeah, of course, Danny. Appreciate you having me on, man. Hey, any chance to talk college football right now? Because their real games are coming. So I'm, I'm, I'm done with the... The overarching generalities, man. Let's talk real football. Exactly. All right, let's start it off with your playoff prediction. Because I know we, we talked for a while about this yesterday. And maybe when you're giving us your four teams, like your confidence level on them. Because I know there are a couple you might be wavering on a yeah. little bit. Yes. Yeah, I mean, look, 
I'll just give them to you right here, man. I mean, one's Clemson. I, I love that. I mean, that, that's the one I feel most comfortable with. I think Clemson is the most talented roster in college football. Um, two is Alabama, as you can see. And, and honestly, I, I think this is a little bit different Alabama team than we're used to seeing. That one I'm, I'm less confident in than I feel like the rest of college football is. But I'm not going to pick against them. USC, that's obviously an against-the-grain pick there. Um, that's a little bit about me believing in the roster that they built and seeing them come up from the recruiting ranks, seeing how talented they are, and believing in their true freshman quarterback, who I think we'll talk about a little later. And probably number four here, this is the one I'm sweating bullets about, Michigan. Not a lot of confidence in that one because they play in the Big Ten East, and it's almost a coin flip to get out of that division. And then they got to go play Wisconsin, who probably in the Big Ten championship game, who they may not have even beaten in the regular season. So it's just a there's a lot of uh, factors at play there that make me a little nervous about Michigan schedule being the biggest one. But I just think Jim Harbaugh gets over the hump eventually. And, and this is this is the kind of roster that where that could happen. I mean, look, this was always supposed to be the year for Michigan last year. They weren't supposed to be a playoff team and they weren't. But two years ago, they were a couple inches, a couple plays away from being that kind of a team. And so I think with Shea Patterson, a quarterback, uh, with that defense is as talented as any in college football, and with the skill positions on offense taking a step forward, um, I just think Michigan has, has the kind of roster that can be a playoff team this year. All right, so let's get to the freshman that you talked about, JT Daniels, getting the nod from Clay Helton to start at USC. And I love this about you because I don't – I'm not dialed into the high school scene the way you are. You know, so many of these guys, you have, you scout them, you do a fantastic job. What is it about JT Daniels that gives you so much confidence in order to pick the USC to get to the playoff? Well, for one, it's the last two national championship games, right? I mean, Jalen Hurts took Alabama to the national championship game in, in 2016 season. Last year, uh, Jake Fromm took Georgia there and, and it took Tua Tungavailoa coming off the bench as a true freshman to actually get Alabama to win. So it's not as if this is some crazy pick that a freshman could, could take that kind of a run because this happened. And this is that kind of freshman. I mean, he's that kind of talent. Uh, he skipped his senior year in high school to get eligible to play or to, uh, to, to play as a freshman this year. Um, he's 18 years old though. Like this, this is a kid who skipped a, a grade earlier in his, uh, academic career so from an age and a maturity standpoint is there but uh, beyond that like he is a kid I think that has the intangibles has the maturity beyond his his years I mean I, I've watched him up close the Army Bowl was a great example I watched him all week at the at the Army Bowl again that was a kid that got named to the team late because we just found out he was uh, graduating a year early late uh, he goes out there and was was by far the quarterback that had the best grasp of the offense quickest. Like he was teaching the other quarterbacks, hey, this is where you go on this read. You know, this is what you're looking for here. He just gets it, and 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 the game is slow for him. You can tell watching him play. And even Clay Helton said it when he talked about why he chose JT Daniels over the other quarterbacks. He said like this, the the ball just moves better with him. Uh, it, it looks easy for him, and that's the reality with JT Daniels. So I think that uh, this is going to be a guy that ha- can do everything USC wants him to do as a true freshman. Yeah, Barton, I agree with you. Like, if this was 10 years ago, I would have said you're insane to put a true – you know, if you're going to make pick them to get to the playoffs, a true freshman, are you crazy? But we've seen this trend recently, 
And like, I think back to when I was coming out, there was no chance I was ready to play. But guys now in high school, they're playing year round. They're doing seven on seven. The offensive schemes that they're running in high school are more similar now to what they're doing in college. They're, a lot of them are playing on national TV in high school. So they're just, they're not overwhelmed. They're ready to step in and they want a chance to play. And so much so that you're seeing five star quarterbacks choose schools that are have an entrenched starter, like a guy who took a team to the playoffs, like at Clemson, like at Georgia. And they're saying, you know what? I still think I can go there and I can still beat out that guy. So speaking of those schools, so you've got Clemson who has Kelly Bryant and they have Trevor Lawrence waiting in the wings. You've got Georgia with Jake Fromm and now they got Justin Fields, you know, waiting in the wings, waiting to play. Which one of those quarterbacks do you think we see first for either Georgia or Clemson? Uh, you know, I think we see Trevor Lawrence as the starter first, but I think we see them both week one and all year. I think Justin Fields has a role at Georgia. I think that he's not going to beat out Jake Fromm at any point in the season because Jake Fromm's just not that guy who's going to give it up. That's a no flinch, no mistake kind of quarterback. But I think Justin Fields is talented enough to just have a role in that Georgia offense. The, the more interesting one to me is Clemson because I think Trevor Lawrence, and I think you agree with me here, Danny, like I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have to be the quarterback for Clemson to win a national title at some point. Now, Kelly Bryant can win maybe every other game on their schedule. But at some point, Clemson's going to go up against whether that's an Alabama or a Georgia or an Ohio State, or maybe it's a Florida State, or maybe even it's a Texas A&M in week two. And at that point, they're going to need that passing element from Trevor Lawrence's arm to, to allow them to win the football game. And, and when that happens, when that moment comes and they need Trevor Lawrence, I don't think he gives the job back. I think Trevor Lawrence has started the rest of the way because those guys, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, and JT Daniels, like those are the three guys in this class that can do everything you want them to do, similar to Jake Fromm and, and Tua Tagovailoa last year. So uh, they're going to find a way to get it on the field. Yeah, the Clemson situation is so similar to what you saw at Alabama last year because Jalen Hurts a good quarterback, but and it's hard to make that move to somebody who potentially could be great. And I think that's what you're seeing at Clemson. You've got a good quarterback in Kelly Bryant, but you've got somebody who could be great. The thing is, we all think he's going to be great, Trevor Lawrence, but you just don't know. And that's what's scary because coaches will always go with the known. Like they're going to go with the solid good before they go with the great until it gets bad, like you mentioned. And that's where you kind of look at Clemson and say, all right, when is he going to get his opportunity? I want to ask this next question and float it out there and make sure I don't have any bias in this question by insinuating anything. So give me your most underrated team in the country this season. Yeah, well, see, man, you tried to talk me out of this yesterday a little <laughs> bit, I felt like. But I, I like Florida State. I really do. I mean, look, I, I remember last year, before the season, all the hype about Florida State. I mean, uh, look, we forget this was the team, not Clemson, that everyone was talking about with national title chances and, and, and a national title type of roster. And then DeAndre Francois goes down and, and the whole season gets sort of thrown out of whack and, and just gets off schedule. Well, DeAndre Francois is healthy again. I think Cam Akers is, is one of the best backs in all of college football. And I think he's going to have the kind of season to back that sort of title up. I think offensive line was, has been a real issue with Florida State. Well, now Greg Fry's there, the offensive line coach. I think he's one of the very best in all of college football at coaching that position. Uh, guys like Tamori and Terry, who was a redshirt freshman last year, stepping into the the, 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 the top spot there at wide receiver this year. Uh, look, I, I really think that Willie uh, Taggart inherited a really talented roster. 
And I think that when you inherit a talented roster and when you have a quarterback in place and you have a conference that where things are manageable, look, I know they have a pretty tough non-conference schedule with teams like Notre Dame and Florida as well. But I just think Florida State, when you're looking at personnel and the coaches that inherited an opportunity to really make a splash quickly, I don't know why more people aren't talking about Florida State. I kind of feel like like I'm out here um, – taking crazy pills or something like it feels like Florida state should be more talked about and more discussed given the talent that's on that roster right now. I like exactly where they are flying under the radar. Let them surprise people. Cause too many times we've seen them come in hyped up and then they fall short of expectations rather be uh, flying under the radar. Heisman hopefuls, like it's that time of year. I'm a firm believer that one of the hardest things to do is to win the Heisman as a favorite. So I actually like looking a little bit deeper in the field. Who do you like for a potential Heisman winner? I think because there's not like a big favorite and a, and a no-brainer guy this year, um, I'm comfortable going west, and I'm going to Justin Herbert at, at Oregon. Um, again, let, like let's look at last year, uh, and and when Oregon had Justin Herbert under center, they they went they won six games, six and two. They they had 520 yards of total offense every game. They were clicking, man. Justin Herbert was one of the best out there. And then the five games he was out, they were one and four with 320 yards of total offense. Like that's a huge drop. That's a huge impact that he has on every game. And I think Oregon is, is one of these teams as well that has a chance to maybe surprise some people with what they're capable of. Because look, the, there's some continuity there in that coaching staff. Jim Levitt's back to, to continue to develop a young defense. And Justin Herbert have a few more options at wide receiver this year. I just think that's the type of guy that can put up big numbers in that offense. He's six foot six. He's going to have the NFL buzz as long as his Oregon is is like a nine and three type of season. And maybe if they can even take a step to like a ten and two type of season, then I think he's going to be in enough big games and I think he's going to have enough big performances. And I think there's enough guys nationally that sort of cancel each other out that that Justin Herbert could win this thing because I do think that you know history tells us. It's probably going to be a quarterback, and I think Justin Herbert at the quarterback position has the best shot. Yeah, I definitely noticed the drop-off because I actually got to call an Oregon game last year, and Justin Herbert was sidelined, so I saw the difference. You talked about the stats being you know, how much they dropped off. I saw how bad it was without him, so there's definitely, if he's healthy this year, uh, they're dramatically better for them. Uh, Barton, thanks for getting up early with us. Make sure you go check out his podcast, 24-7 Sports College Football Podcast. It's awesome. You guys do a great job, and uh, hopefully we'll get you on here soon. Uh, all right? Thanks, Danny. Enjoyed it. Good stuff. All right, let's bring uh, Hannah in for a little socially relevant. Danny, what a day for Raja not to be here because right now I am talking about Fortnite. So apparently some NHL teams are worried about that exact team becoming too much of a distraction for players. So according to reports, some junior hockey players have been advised to scrub their social media of any activity, any posts of, of Fortnite references. So the game was viewed as a, quote, major distraction obsession by some teams. And funny enough, the Carolina Hurricanes tweeted out a video yesterday saying, quote, in case you missed it, we took a trip to Epic Games for some fun team building with Fortnite as we build a special culture in Carolina. I could not believe the timing on that. So, Danny, do you agree that this hobby has gone a little bit too far? 
I see it firsthand in my oldest daughter how crazy it is at the youth level. And I know, like, so when I was playing, there was always guys were playing Madden or college, the NCAA game. And I've seen how you can become obsessed with video games and the gaming. And now it's, like, taken to a completely different level. It's almost how kids communicate now. Like, because they're on headsets, they're playing and they're talking and they're catching up. But I know how to kill this fad, Hannah. Okay. I'll start playing. Like that'll <laughs> definitely kill it because I'll be the last one to the party and then it'll die off. Have you played at all? Like, have you no, ever played? I, I haven't either. I tried playing it once. It's so hard. I'm used to playing like N64 Mario Kart only. <laughs> like that's the only thing I'm actually relatively good at. No, I'm really good at it. Actually, I could probably <laughs> beat anyone. But that's the only game I'm competitive with. I can't imagine just starting something new. I can't do it. I don't right, know I don't how have they time. do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't have time. <laughs> all right. So now we're going to talk about one of your favorite hobbies. Shoes. LeBron James is getting the gift of his own signature shoe. So the custom mark maker, known as Shoe Surgeon, created a pair of Nike LeBron 15s worth over $100,000. This was done in collaboration with Nike to honor LeBron reaching 30,000 career points back in January. And on top of all of this, the NBA is reportedly making an ongoing effort to, quote, allow players to be expressive on the court. They're reportedly removing all footwear color restrictions for the upcoming season. So, Danny... Get this. Apparently, LeBron's shoes are made of genuine crocodile skin coated with 24 karat gold with custom diamond cut features throughout the entire shoe. So would you rock them? (laughs) I I would if they were given to me. I would. Uh, I wouldn't go out and pay for them. Like, I'm a a shoe guy. I think you're a shoe girl. I mean, I'm assuming that. I think it's a safe assumption. I'll spend some money on a shoe, but I'm not spending that much. But you know who might? (laughs) Our boy Raja, because you know we saw what he did the other day. He raced out of here to go get some collector Nikes uh, down in South Beach. He had to drive an hour and a half to go get them. So I bet he's on them for sure. He's probably still in line. In fact, that's where he is today. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're totally switching gears here. This is the last one. We're going somewhere just a little bit different because this story is just so unbelievable. <laughs> I hate myself. So get this. We know in Times Square in New York City, there's a ton of those hot dog stands, right? Well, apparently yep. one of those stands had more than 40,000 bees taken over the stand. The blame is all on the weather. Apparently these bees needed a 10-minute heat break too. So I have to ask you, <laughs> is there any food you would risk for 40,000 bees? You would risk 40,000 bees for? Uh, it definitely would not be a uh, New York hot dog vendor, although <laughs> I do like those every once in a while. I know some people are like totally grossed out by hot dogs, but there is something about a New York hot dog, whether it's the water, and they actually have I good totally water. I totally agree. See? Like there's <laughs> yeah. something in the smell. And the yeah, you gotta be like, you just gotta be in the mood for it. But for, mm-hmm. to risk the 40,000 bees, I don't know if there's any food I would go for for that. We actually, when I was living in Connecticut, I had moved into a house and there was a beehive in our backyard that was buried <laughs> in a bush. And I thought it was like 10 or 20 bees. And it was actually, it wasn't quite 40,000, but it was a pretty big hive. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I went out there with some spray that I was just going <laughs> to spray on it. And my wife was like videotaped it. She's like, what an idiot. And then like it got so bad. So I ran inside, almost got like stung like a zillion times. And I didn't realize you have to call somebody to get that done. So we had to do yeah, that. Yeah, there's it apparently a BNYPD and they're the ones who <laughs> took care of it. Seriously. Special unit. <laughs> that's they what have you the needed. special unit. Yeah, exactly. I needed them. All right. Well, that's all for Socially Relevant. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Canal and Bell. Coming up after the break, Danny breaks down today's leftovers. We've got some Johnny football and Kevin Hart talk coming up next. So stay with us. You're watching Off the Bench. Welcome back to Off the Bench. Let's finish it off with some leftovers. So the Ohio State uh, drama has continued to unfold. And during the 
scandal that was unfolding with Zach Smith and Courtney Smith and the allegations that were back and forth between them and Urban Meyer, what do you get fired? There was a lot of speculation. There was even a report put out there that Tom Herman leaked the story to Brett McMurphy, and that was quickly shut down by Brett McMurphy himself, said he was not my source. But doesn't mean the drama hasn't ended with Tom Herman because they did a uh, they basically released a lot of documents that they had during their investigation. And one of the documents revealed that Tom Herman was one of the coaches who accompanied former Buckeyes assistant Zach Smith to a strip club while on a recruiting trip uh, earlier in their career together. And, of course, this sends the college football world into a frenzy because that's what they do. Basically, college football has the worst and best fans in the world. Like, they're the best part of the game, and they're the, what make the best product in the country because they're nuts. But they're also what make it the worst part because Ohio State fans are livid at Tom Herman for whatever reason. The guy took his job. He helped you get a national championship with Ohio State. Then he leaves, takes a great job at Texas, and you're still upset about it. And now you're sitting here wanting to bring up old stories about what's going on when they were there. My basic response to this is who cares? Who cares that Tom Herman was with Zach Smith when they were, you know, on a trip together, went to a strip club? Is it, did they bring kids there? No. Did they, were they, you know, bringing underage kids there? No. They were out hanging out. I don't think it's a big deal, but that doesn't mean the college football world is going to let it die. Side note, this is the time of year when my Twitter timeline basically becomes a cesspool of the worst college football fans in the country. Just a side note. So if you want to be entertained, you can just go, you don't need a message board. Just go look at my Twitter timeline. Uh, Johnny Manziel has been in the middle of his comeback. He's trying to make a comeback into football. He goes to Canada. He has his own podcast. He has his own merchandise line. And now he has his own interview with a superstar comedian and Kevin Hart. So he went on his, and I saw, actually saw a little clip of this when it was actually pretty funny because supposedly Johnny Manziel passed some gas in the cold tub, which is where Kevin Hart conducts the interview. But there was an interesting quote that came out, and I think it was a little bit eye-opening, and maybe not in a good way. Johnny Manziel said, quote, I felt like I was the guy that had to party to be able to play good. I think that's scary. I think that's probably scary for Johnny Manziel to admit that, uh, because I know like John Daly, who's had his struggles with drinking and alcoholism, has admitted the same thing. Felt like he needed to be that guy that was partying and able to do good. The NFL and playing football as a whole, as a sport, it is so stressful, it is so taxing on your body, and a lot of guys use partying as a release, as a stress release to get out there and cut loose because of all the pent-up frustration and stress that I'm talking about. And that could be a really scary thing. And my hope for Johnny Manziel is that he's able to succeed and show people that he can get it done without having to go out there and party and be that guy. And it looks like he's trying to do that, and I'm a guy who's rooting him for making that comeback as quickly as possible. Uh, all right, let's get Raja Bell back in here tomorrow. We've got a full slate of college football games. Thursday night's in there. We'll give you our picks and our playoff predictions. That's all coming up next uh, on Off the Bench tomorrow. <laughs>